Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. I want to speak to you today on the subject, X equals God. And you can be seated. In the month of September, we're going to be talking about personal wholeness. Wholeness is a component of holiness. It is the work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God in us to deal with our deficits, our sin, our issues, to make us complete in Jesus Christ. When you came to the Lord for the first time, if you are a saved person, you turned from your sins and repentance, you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit and you became a child of God. You were saved. But every day since then, as you have walked with the Lord, and until your last step on this earth, or until He comes again, You will be walking with Him and you will be being saved. You're in the process of being saved right now. And ultimately at your last breath or at the last trumpet, you will finally and ultimately be saved. Amen. I was saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. I was raised in the church, came to the Lord... From all my deep sins at the age of eight, repented, received the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name. I've watched a lot in my life, people who understood salvation, that there are only two eternal destinations for mankind, either heaven or hell, saved or lost. Filthy people and unjust people will continue to be that way for eternity in a burning lake of fire. Righteous, holy, saved people will spend eternity in the new Jerusalem, the place that we call heaven. Above all else, I must be saved. But my concern today and over the next month is not only to help us be saved, but to help us be whole. I spent over a month back in May, June, talking about personal holiness But this month, I feel directed of the Lord to help us with personal holiness. Because I know people who were saved from their sins, but they are not yet whole. They will go to heaven, but they will hobble into heaven with wounds and hurts and inferiorities and insecurities that the same God who saved them wanted to heal them, but they never let that power of God get to that place and make them whole. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, I pray that God of peace sanctify you holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Not talking about holiness in terms of moral purity but you're whole. I pray God you're whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation doesn't just set your spirit free, but it is God's plan to come into your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and to make you whole there, and to come into your body and make you whole there. I pray that you will be wholly saved, that your whole spirit, soul, body would be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wholeness means that nothing is missing. It means that nothing is broken. All the parts are in their place. And that they are functioning, we are functioning as God intended. I believe that personal wholeness is a journey. It may begin with an act of God. It may end or be consummated with a touch of the Spirit. But it is a work of God in us day in and day out to help us put off our old nature and put on the nature of Jesus Christ. Personal wholeness is a result of growing up into Jesus Christ who is the head of all things. Wholeness deals with hurts. It brings healing. It develops true inward and outward holiness as we become whole. The Apostle Paul told us that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily and that we would be complete in Him. X equals God. Now when I was a young student in school, my math teacher was doing her best to teach me math. And she wrote on the board this equation, 5 plus 5 equals a blank. And after prayer and fasting, I came up with the conclusion, 5 plus 5 equals 10. And I know you're proud of me for that. It was a great victory. I was on my way to math greatness. And then my math teacher threw me a curve, or one of my math teachers did, somewhere along the line. She asked a question and wrote a problem on the board that looked strange to me. She wrote up there, 5 plus X equals 10. So now, our job as young students in the classroom She began to open our minds to algebra at its lowest level. Was to find that missing factor, that number, whatever X was, we had to find the factor X. Now I know some of you have already jumped way ahead of me. You already know that X equals 5. But what if it said 1 plus X equals 10, or 9 plus X equals 10. The X factor, what is missing that X is whatever the equation needs to bring us to the conclusion, to the sum, to the whole final number. And I've learned in my life that whether I am a 9 or a 0, whatever I lack to be like God That X equals God. Amen. The missing X in your life 
is made up by Jesus Christ. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily. And my hope of being whole, my hope of being complete is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you know you take surveys on a scale of 1 to 5 or a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being the best. How did we do? How, how was church today? Well, the choir was a 10. The preaching was a 3. We're going to average it out and say it was worth going to church today. People subconsciously or consciously rate themselves. And, and sometimes I've heard people say something like, she is a 10. And I don't think it was talking about intellect in that particular case. He's a 10. Athleticism, appearance, ability, business acumen. Well, that person epitomizes that particular facet of life. They are a 10. But I have learned that no one is truly whole. No one is truly a 10. For the Bible says that you are not complete in yourself. No matter how smart you are. No matter how, no, no matter how talented you are. No matter how beautiful or handsome you are. None of us is complete in and of ourselves. But there is hope that we can be complete in Jesus Christ. You are complete in Him. You see, when sin came in, Back in the garden, it created separation from God. Created spiritual death. The Lord said, the day you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And they ate and they breathed. But they died spiritually. Because spiritual death is a separation of the human spirit from God's spirit. And then... When Adam sinned, not only was he separated from God, but there was something that took place in himself. Remember that they were ashamed. And they tried to cover themselves. Because every one of us senses our deep inadequacies. We are not complete in ourselves. And ever since Eden, we've been trying to cover up with a fig leaf or a degree or a net worth, or some kind of a measurement to make the world think and make us feel that we are complete. But we always come up short because you can never be complete in yourself. Deficit with God, deficit in me, and deficit with others, deficit with nature. Spiritual death, physical death, and finally for those who have not made peace with God, eternal death. And started with that idea that I will do what I want to do. All of us are like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. I will have my way, which leads to rebellion against God's way, which leads to unrighteous behavior or what we would call sin. Sin originates in us. That desire to not have anyone rule our life. To not be whole in any other means but by what we can generate in ourselves. 
sin, death, separation, a lack of wholeness with God. Think about this. Covering the nakedness. And then we only have Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Abel is jealous. Excuse me, Cain is uh, jealous of Abel and he hates his brother and kills him. And the beginning of all interpersonal relationship struggles begins way back in the book of Genesis. So we are out of fellowship with God. We're out of fellowship with ourselves. We're out of fellowship with one another. The Bible said that Jesus broke down the middle wall of partition between people. He made peace between us and God. But without Him in our lives, there is nothing that can make us complete or whole. So people try to fill themselves up. It may be by achievement. It may be by chemical abuse. It may be by relationships. One after another, after another, looking for some completeness that cannot be found any other way than in by Jesus Christ. James said an amazing thing in his short little epistle, James 4 and 1. He said, where do all these wars come from that you're having with one another? He said, do they not originate with the wars that are in you? It's our being at odds with God. And the war that is within us that creates the wars between us. And I'm calling us in this month of personal wholeness to go back to our fundamental relationship with Jesus Christ. For no matter what you are, whether you're a 9 or a 1 or a minus 5, there is a way that you can be whole and complete in Jesus Christ. X equals God. X equals God. And that's the source of everything that gets us back to Him. Paul said God was in Christ. All the fullness of the God had dwelt in Him bodily. So when you saw Jesus, you saw God in flesh. And all of God was in Him bodily. Which now leads us to the application of that great truth. That because all of God was in Jesus. And Jesus fills all and all. That in Him I can make up the difference. I can be filled up to full. I can find my wholeness in Him. You are complete in Him. We're not born that way. We're born in sin, shapen in iniquity. Every one of us, even our precious little rat, given time, he'll make the choice to do the wrong thing. And he will sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it's not just the sin that separates us from God. It's that, it's that lack of inner wholeness that we're at odds with ourselves. We feel shame. We feel inadequate. We express it different ways. For me, it happened when I was in grade school. I think it was fifth or sixth grade, somewhere in there. I started having recurring dreams. that I would go to school. I would be at May and Walter's Elementary School in 
my pajamas. If you're a fifth grader, it's not pajama day, it's every other day. There we are, lined up, go to the cafeteria, wherever. And Alan and I are in the front of the line because for some odd reason, we didn't line up alphabetically. We lined up from shortest to tallest. I didn't know why then that I would wake up in the middle of the night in a panic. I never told anybody about those dreams along, you know, then because I was too embarrassed to say, hey, Dad, guess what? I had a weird dream last night. I dreamed I went to school in my pajamas. What's wrong with me? I didn't really figure out that when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. I just kind of processed the idea that you're feeling like you're sticking out like a sore thumb, that there's something different between you, from you than anybody else at school. I'm the only kid dressed like that. And then when I got into seventh grade, boy, I mean, it was the onset of peer pressure for me. Same people that I went to elementary school with, but now we're in Henry H. Filer Junior High, and I'm in the seventh grade, and I'm standing in line with Alan and Kenneth and some other buddies of mine, and they looked right at me, and it was like an interrogation light on me, and they said, Daryl, why don't you cuss? No, I knew why I didn't cuss, because I didn't want to go to hell, (laughs) or something like that. But boy, I mean, the laser light of peer pressure was on me. And those friends, meant their approval meant so much to me. And I didn't really know why pressure was from my peers. You know, you can have peers, but you only feel pressure if what they mean or what they think of you means more than what God thinks of you. I confess that then in that moment, What they thought of me meant everything. I wanted to fit in with them so very, very much. I had some issues. I was still short. I felt pretty shy. I was the only Pentecostal in my whole school. And at times I felt like I was probably the only Christian in my junior high school. We didn't have middle school back then, junior high. I battled that weakness on the inside of me to try to stave off the peer pressure on the outside. Sometime early in my teenage years, I started thinking about those recurring dreams of going to school in my pajamas, and I realized, or pajamas to some of you from up north, right? And I thought, what in the world am I going on? I'm like, oh, something in me knows that I have a deficit. I didn't think this, that I'm not complete in myself. So I started processing this and looking around, and I realized that even though I was from a good home, a good church, I had plenty of friends and a very loving family, very supportive, larger family. I was dealing with these personal issues that I was not complete. Now, I was saved even though I struggled, But I was not complete in Christ. I thought, you know what? I'm just a deficit person. I mean, I didn't say that way. And I just thought, you know, if I could be tall, if I could just be tall, then I wasn't thinking all of this through, but believe me, I I was thinking this, but I didn't have the terminology. But if I could just be tall like Steve, 
That was his name. If I could be tall like Steve, man, I would have it made. But I watched Steve, junior high, senior high. He was on the track team. He was so fast. I mean, he was so tall and so fast, but I watched him in high school staggering down the hall, stoned out of his mind, and I'm watching Steve as I go through school thinking, you know what? It's not all in being tall. And everybody has these weaknesses. There was, there was Boney Campbell. Her real name was Bonnie, but she was really skinny. And so she got that nickname. Don't think up any names here today, please, for your friends. We went to school all 12 years together, Bonnie and I did. And then there was Isabel. She was the opposite of Bonnie. Bonnie. I made these observations of my friends and I looked around me as a teenager. And I realized that it wasn't just me, it was us. That the tallest kids and the smartest kids and the kids with the most money, students with the most money, all of these people had issues in their life. We all had issues. I understand why now. Because no one is complete in themselves. You're only complete in Jesus Christ. So you're never going to get tall enough. You're never going to get skinny enough. You're never going to get rich enough. You're never going to be successful enough to fill the gaping hole of inferiority, insecurity, and incompleteness that is in you. You're never going to get enough recognition. You're never going to be loved by another human being enough to deal with the deficit in your life. But if you will let Him, Jesus Christ will fill you up to full. He will make you complete in him. You see, today I want you to go to heaven. But I've had this feeling for a long time, 39 years of ministry, long time being a Christian, that there are people that I know that love God, but emotionally, they will hobble into heaven. Now, wounds never healed. Issues never resolved. Deficits inside of them. Because, see, they were abused. They were kicked to the curb. They were told they would never amount to anything. Some of you have made colossal failures in your life. And you feel like God can never love you. Look around at other people that you would consider much better than you and you think they'll turn out good. Their life will be all right. They're already in seven in themselves. You know, it's not that much of a gap. But today, I want you to know that whether you consider yourself a nine, you need Jesus Christ. If you're a zero, you can have Jesus Christ. If you're a deficit person, if you feel like you're less than the least of all saints, that the same God that can get the nine to ten can get the zero or the minus ten. It doesn't matter what you bring to the equation. X equals God.
Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. That's eternal life. And you might have it, life, more abundantly. That means we have something going for us that the unbeliever doesn't have. They're trying to get enough, be enough, gather enough to where they feel whole in themselves. And they can earn the approval of the people that are significant in their lives. But the harder you try, the behinder you get. The more you try to reach for it in yourself, in performance, in what you can earn. You can do all kinds of cosmetic changes, but the inside of you is what really makes the difference. And if you can get it right on the inside, if you can become complete in Christ, then you can deal with everything you're not on the outside. That means that you can possibly be short and complete in Christ. You know, the Bible said that we can grow up into Him in all things. So there's a way to grow up and not grow up. So you hit this place in your early 20s, 30s, and 40s where your hair starts falling out. Everybody's trying to sell you something to make it come back. <laughs> That's what you want to do, fine. But guess what? Steve was tall. Some of you ungodly people with wavy, full heads of hair. <laughs> the envy of all of us bald-headed guys. It doesn't make you complete. And neither does not having it make you incomplete. Unless you're trying to compete with the standard of this world, not allow Jesus Christ to bring wholeness into your life. Jesus came to save us, right? But that's not all. Look at what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Those that have financial deficit can have the good news preached to them. You don't have to have a nickel to your name to get good news. Then he said, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Brokenheartedness is not a sin. It may be the result of your sin. It may be the result of the sins of your parents. But Jesus Christ, the Savior, came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to preach deliverance to the captives, people bound by addictions or bound perhaps by the power of another person. 
He came to preach recovering of sight to the blind to bring physical healing. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now I know you can bruise yourself intentionally or accidentally, but most bruises are inflicted on us by other people. And there are people in this congregation right now, good people, godly people, going to heaven, enjoying the promise of eternal life, but not living the abundant life. You're still hobbled. You're still bruised. Maybe the form of abuse is not something you would want to talk about publicly. You you don't want to talk about, and I don't blame you, I'm not criticizing that. Somebody told you, you were a mistake. Should have never been born. Should have been aborted. Here you are anyway, a mistake. Bruised. There are people who love Jesus, but experience feelings and thoughts of suicide. Because you think that everybody would be better if you just went away. Can I tell you that that feeling, those thoughts, did not come from your Lord Jesus Christ, who died to save you and make you whole. We are complete. In him. So regardless of your appearance or abilities, regardless of your race or culture, regardless of your lack of perfection or your attempts at success, regardless of your financial status, God's love for you is not based on anything you ever did. For when you were dead in your sins, He loved you. He loved you on your worst day. And He forgave us of our sins on our worst day. How much more will He freely give us all things? And we hold this stuff in. We live in denial of how we're really doing not always just a facade that's fake. I'm not talking about Pharisees. I'm talking about good people just trying to get by, trying to make it. And we try to bury, cover, deal with, but not allowing the same blood of Jesus Christ that saved us to make us whole. I read a story one time that really probably describes what I see right now. Back in 1983, September 1st as a matter of fact, Korean Airlines Flight 007 left New York and headed to Seoul, Korea. It made a refueling stop in Anchorage, Alaska. And then when it left Anchorage, it began to drift off course into Soviet airspace. 
It was intercepted. Communications were attempted and no one on KAL Flight 007 responded. So eventually, one of those fighter jets fired a heat-seeking missile. Flight 007 plummeted into the Sea of Japan. 269 people on board were killed. One of the people who died was a 28-year-old lady who had a six-year-old son. He was home with his grandmother because a year before his dad died. And now his mom died. So his grandmother, trying to break the news to him, said, your mom has been killed in this tragic airplane crash, not coming back home. I don't know everything she said, but this little boy is processing. No more nursery rhymes, no more tucking me in, no more mom ever again. Not even a body to wrap your brain around that she died. The article said that this little boy, when he heard the news of the death of his mom, he walked out of the room where his grandmother was and went into another room and he he was there for some time. When he came back in the room, he was holding a piece of paper and on the paper was a picture that he had drawn. The picture was of a little boy with tears running down his face. He held up the picture and showed it to his grandmother And he said, that's how I feel. I'm saying that today because if you just look at us, maybe we're just trying to get by and cope with that gap between who we are and completeness, the deficits that we all have. But on the inside, we feel like a little six-year-old boy with tears streaming down our face. Today I have come to preach a message of hope. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Because the gap in my life without Jesus Christ is too wide to close. The X is too big. But X equals God. Would you bow your heads right now, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the promise, O Lord, of your word. Right now, Lord, I'm speaking to someone in prayer who has been going in circles, Lord, and they feel like their lives... Life has become a vicious cycle of coming back around to the same reality time and again. And they feel like, Lord, it will never go away. So, Lord, while you have never chosen to erase the history of our lives, your word clearly says that you have come to heal the hurt of that history. So I pray right now in Jesus' name that someone, Lord, today would go back to that event or those events, those things, Lord, that were like a crushing blow to them. 
knock them off their feet, knocked the wind out of their sails, and made them feel that they can never measure up. I pray today that you would start this process of healing in us, that you would bring what your word promised, for God cannot lie, that we have this hope, that we can be whole in you, complete in Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would release healing in this house right now and forgiveness and the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Would you begin to receive this? I'm calling you out of living your life as a victim. Maybe you are, but what does it help to play that same old rhythm over and over again that doesn't get you out? But today in the name of Jesus Christ, calling you to receive the love of Jesus Christ. Just say, go ahead, open your heart to the Lord right now. I recognize this is a quiet moment, but that's okay. There's a holy surgery that's going on in us today. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on. That's it. I know life is not fair. It's not fair. It is not fair. But God is good. And God is a healer. In a moment, we're going to come to the altar. As soon as we stand, I'd like to invite you to come as close as you can get. And I want you to please find someone and pray for them. On the cross, there were people that hurled accusations at Jesus Christ. And they said, He saved others. Himself, He cannot save. But that was not true at all. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down myself. He chose to not save Himself from shame and rejection and death so that He could save you from yours would you stand and would you join me in the altar right now